Good morning. It is good to be in the house of the Lord. It is good to celebrate the day that God has made. Our call to worship this morning, if you have noticed, the purple is there on the cross. Here at the outer limits of Lent, we are called to walk to the paper-thin edges which cut us to the soul, to the workplaces which weary us, to the people who confuse us, to the faith which threatens us. Here, at the corner of steadfast love and faithfulness, we're called to wait when our clenched stomachs awaken us in the moments of unbearable sorrow with the angels who would carry us. Here, where time is fulfilled, where God's kingdom is as near to us as our neighbor, we begin Lent with the beloved whose tears wash away our fears, with the God who will not let go of our hands. Isn't it good to know that the Lord loves us and will not let us go. Let's worship God today in the spirit and in truth. We're gonna go old school this morning. We do have the words up here, but if you want, they're also in your songbook. And for the first time ever, I get to do this and say, we're going to sing all four verses because it won't kill me on the horn. So if you'll stand with me, we're going to sing all four verses of Amazing Grace this morning.
we all, I, I was talking to Evangeline beforehand, and it's funny because she said, well, we don't really need the words. Everybody's going to know the words. And I kind of said, except I've been playing my horn since I was really little, and that's why my eyes were fixed on the book because I know this music, not necessarily the words. And sometimes I think we get so caught up in things that we forget to listen to the words that we're saying. We, we read them up here. You know, we see them and we just follow through with what's there in front of us. That we don't always see and listen to the words that are coming out of our mouth. And a couple weeks ago, we were at DSA at the music councils. Two weeks ago. Seems a little long, longer than that, but it wasn't. And one of the things that was said was, if you're leading a song, make sure you, re you sing the third verse. Because there's always something in that third verse. And if you look at the third verse of Amazing Grace, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. We've already been through a bunch of stuff. Tis grace has brought me safe thus far. We've made it this far, right? We're already here. We've made it through difficulties. Because every single person in here has faced something at some point, whether small or big. And at the time, it probably seemed insurmountable. But God brought us through. And his grace will lead me home. And as long as we focus on that, his grace, which leads us to this next song, to turn our eyes upon Jesus. Now, this, is, this isn't really a song. This is a chorus. It's to, to prepare us for what is coming next. And that is the time for us to actually do what these words say. To turn our eyes upon Jesus. To look full in his wonderful face. To forget everything that we brought in with us when we walked through that door this morning. To shed it off, forget it, and focus on where you are right now in this moment. And in the light of his glory and grace. That's what we're supposed to be focusing on right now. Not what we have to do later. Not what we dealt with this morning. Not what we're going to deal with tomorrow. Come in his presence and focus on him. Let's sing this song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. this morning dear heavenly father we come into your presence lord we we come with 
concerns we come with, issues that we may be dealing with, decisions we have to make, Lord, questions about things. Lord, I just pray this morning that you will allow us to come and leave those at the door. And this moment, in this place, Lord, I pray that we will feel your hands of protection and comfort all around us. Pray that our focus will turn to you and not be distracted by the worldly things that we deal with on a daily basis so that we can be refreshed and renewed. So when we leave this place, Lord, that we will be the light for those who are around us. That the light that you pour into us will shine so brightly that we will affect those that we come in contact with. Lord, just allow us to feel your amazing grace this morning. And just be together as a church family here in this sacred place. Ask your ushers to come forward. God is good. All the time. Praise his name. Have you ever made a sand castle on the beach? Perhaps you went close to the water's edge and took a scoop out of the sand. Then the next wave came in and filled the hole right back up. That's what happens when we give during our offering time. Giving to the church is an important expression of our love for the kingdom of God. We give, then God fills up the hole again. Let us pray. Our Father, we scoop out of the abundance you have given us to give for the building of your kingdom. May our offering be used for your honor and glory. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.
remain standing as we sing this next song. It's the fav my favorite in the songbook. He giveth more grace as our mercies grow greater. And uh, we're going to look at it this morning and sing it together. As our burdens grow greater, he giveth more strength as our labors increase. Sing on the first verse, and we'll sing all three verses uh, as we sing this song through together. Do you have it down there? I know they were repeating. I don't think so. Okay. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll try it again. It's what y'all played. You played the. Uh, you have a chorus at all? I'm talking about with the verse. Did you with the verse? No, it's not with the verse. Okay. All right. Well, we may have to change the whole last song. Who knows? <laughs> I tell you what. I tell you what. Let me see here. Uh, well, might have, might have to do that. Nope, we can't do that. Okay. Well, uh, I tell you what, number 26, Great is Thy Faithfulness, 641. Okay. Well, there's more, way to skin a, more ways to skin a cat, although I heard there's just really one way. Uh, here we're going to sing, Great is Thy Faithfulness, Lord unto me. And uh, it's number... It's going to be 26 if you got it back there. Let me know. You got it there? Okay. And uh, we'll sing the first verse of Great is Thy Faithfulness. Great is Thy Faithfulness, O God my
Let's read that third verse together before we sing it. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth, thy own dear presence to cheer and to guide, strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow, blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. Let's sing the last verse. Pardon for sin and a peace that endureth. I want dear presence to cheer and to guide. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings. going to be reading from my device. Fortunately, I can change to a lot of different uh, translations. So uh, the one that I had and been reading in here, the major wanted me to read from a demo, so ha happened to have it. So there it is. Let me give you a little history before we start here. We're talking about Joseph, who was in Egypt, now he, uh, he has had some time there, and he has worked himself into a place of prominence, where the, the Pharaoh put him in charge of everything, as far as provision was concerned, and a great famine hit across the land, not just Egypt, but it spread out all across the Far East there. And it went so far that it affected his father and his 11 brothers, and they had to come to Joseph for some help. Now Joseph gave help once. And they went back. But they had to come back again for more help. And that's where we picked the story up. But one more thought. They don't know that this is Joseph that they're dealing with, their brother. All right? They don't know that. Then Joseph could no longer control himself 
before all his attendants, and he cried out, Have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? Brothers' brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. I wonder why. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now, do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant. Oops, my thing just quit on me here. doesn't happen when you're a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but God. He made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph said. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You have life in the region of Goshen, and you will be near me. You, your children, and your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds, and all you have, I will provide for you there. If I stop touching the screen, it would help. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. You can see for yourselves, and so can my, my brother Benjamin, that it is really I who am speaking to you. Tell my father about all the honor accorded me in Egypt and about everything you have seen, and bring my father down here quickly. Then he drew his arms around his brother Benjamin, and he wept. And Benjamin embraced him, weeping. And he kissed all his brothers and wept over them after his brothers talked with him. They sure ought to. They got a lot to talk about. God bless the reading of the scripture, and may it help us to understand all that the Holy Spirit has to say to us today. Major Dave set the tone for our Lenten series last week and talked about embracing the cross. And he talked about peace. And uh, today, we continue about embracing the cross, and we're going to talk about grace. Grace. 
Look with me if you have a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in front of you somewhere. I remember when we used to always bring our Bibles to church. I know you still do by cell phone. I'm glad that you're stepping up there. Even though it dies out, it's still a, a good cell phone. Uh, but here's your Bible, and I pray that you still bring your Bible to church. And uh, I would recommend that you mark in your Bible when God blesses you extra special for a reading or a verse that he speaks to you about. And I want us to look to 1 Timothy in the New Testament. And the first verse, first verse, and uh, rather the first chapter and beginning at verse 12. As we're thinking about embracing the cross, grace in this series that we're in for the Lenten season. It talks about the Lord's grace to Paul. He says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out upon me abundantly along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Please uh, keep those Bibles open if you would as we will look at the verses several times over during my sermon this morning. Lewis B. Meads has stated, grace does not make everything right. Grace trick is to show us that it is right for us to live, that it is truly good, wonderful, even for us to be breathing and feeling at the same time, that everything clustering around us is wholly wretched. Grace is not a ticket to Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island is jury fiction. Grace is not a potion to charm life to our liking. Charms are magic. Grace does not cure all our cancers, transform all our kids into winners, or send us soaring into the high skies of success. You see, grace is rather an amazing power to look earthly reality in the face, see its sad and tragic edges, feel its cruel cuts, join in the outrageous unfairness, and yet feel in your deepest being that it is good and right for you to be alive on God's good green earth. Grace is power. Grace is power. To see very life very clearly and to admit that sometimes it's all wrong and we still know that somehow in the center of our life, it's all right. This is one reason we call it amazing grace. Only one reason. Grace is the one word for all that God is and in the form of Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. 
As Paul wrote these words to Timothy, he continually had in mind how he could better prepare this young man to do the work of God after he was gone. Because he knew that as he would be gone, that there would be times that Timothy would be rugged for him and he would need Paul to words to edge him on to victory. In the verses of scripture that we read, note that Paul puts a great deal of emphasis on the grace of God, what we're talking about today. And do you think that was uh, on purpose? I do. I believe there was good reason for he knew as a follower of Christ that he had experienced very difficult days and only one thing, one thing had sustained him through it all. And that was the grace of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior and God the Father. He declared this to be in ringing in young Timothy's ears for all the years to come. His grace is sufficient. For those days when Timothy would not be able to see through the darkness, when all seemed to forsake him, at his darkest moment he would recall Paul's words, his God's grace is sufficient. God's grace is sufficient for you and for you, and for you, and for me this morning. Four things I would like us to think about in our time together, and they would be brought about in Paul's life and would be in Timothy's life as well, and they can be in your life, and I pray they are today. Emancipating grace, employing grace, enabling grace, and exceeding grace. Let's explore them for the time we have together. Emancipating grace. Look at verse 13. Jesus shows mercy. It's not the first time we'd say it. It won't be the last time. But Jesus showed, even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. I was shown grace from God and in Jesus Christ. When we look at the life of Paul, or rather Saul, the sinner, and let's not forget about Saul the sinner. We truly see the grace that can set men free and can set each one of us free this morning. Emancipating grace carries with it a twofold promise. One is forgiveness and the other is freedom. And the two go hand in hand, don't they? So many people today are seeking forgiveness. God can and will forgive us and you and me of our sins and those who come to him and come to him and ask him for forgiveness and he does that over and over and over again. But oh so often there are those who will not come because of pride, rejection, emotions and many other things that they face in their lives. And years after her concentration camp experiences in Nazi Germany Corey Tim Boom met face to face with one of the most cruel and heartless German guards that she'd ever encountered. He had humiliated her, humiliated her, and degraded her and her sister. He had jeered and made ugly comments, and now he stood before her with an arm outstretched and said, Will you forgive me? She wrote these words I stood there with coldest clutching in my heart, but knew that the will can function function regardless of the temperature of the heart. I prayed, dear Jesus, help me. And woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand to meet his hand. 
and I experienced the most incredible thing. The current started on my shoulder and raced down into my arms and sprang into our clutched hands. And then this warm reconciliation seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I cried. I forgive you, my brother. And I cried with my whole heart. And for a long time, we clasped each other's hands, the former guard, the former prisoner. I have never known the love of God so intensely as I did in that moment. And to forgive is to know the prisoner and find out that the prisoner was really you. This then is the second promise, the one of freedom. Freedom to serve the Lord. Freedom to be all that God intended us to be. Now some of you uh, perhaps are, are younger uh, than us old folks today. And you say, what does the Lord want me to do? Well, what he wants you to do is live every day for him. Serve him where you are. Serve him where he puts you. We find out about that in the Salvation Army all the time, didn't we, Major? And Majors. You know, God knows it all. He knows the beginning from the end and everything in between. And all we have to do is follow him because he knows the path that leads to victory. He knows the discouragements. He is with us every moment of every day. And this freedom that he gives us, grace that sets us free to be his, to serve him with our whole heart, that is true freedom. Secondly, it's employing grace. Look at verse 12. He considered me faithful, appointing me to his service. You see, he calls us. We eventually call on him, but he calls us first. He calls us by name. He knows you. He knows me. He knows the challenges, and he calls us by name to serve him. The grace will put you to work on God's team of believers. Notice the words that are used, faithful and appointing to his service. It is his work anyway. It's the work of the Lord, and it will not fail. His work will always succeed because it is his grace, my every debt to pay, grace. It is his grace. May, we must be faithful to God. A poet, a poet has well said these words. I cannot do great things for him who did so much for me, but I should like to show my love, dear Jesus, unto thee, faithful in very little things, O Savior, may I be. God's employing grace will keep you faithful, and you will know you cannot go another step without him, and he will help you one step at a time as he paves the way for you by his grace. For it is not success that God rewards, but faithfulness in doing his will. It is not success that he rewards, but faithfulness in doing his will. Then Paul encouraged Timothy by God's grace and is by his enabling grace. Verse 12, the last part. I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength. He will give you strength to endure. At the very moment that you are the weakest, his grace will enable you. I like that word enable. God does a couple of things in it. He allows his enabling grace to work within us. Within us. It's his strength, only the strength and might of the Lord can see us through this old world we live in. 
This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from his open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. I don't believe in accidents happening with the Lord. For he's a God of purpose. He's got everything planned out. And just yesterday, my wife and I are members of AAA Living. Any other members here? Don't raise your hand, but that's okay. But it's a great little magazine. It really is. And we got in this little magazine something that was appropriate for the sermon of the day and of this Lenten season. It says secure on this page I'm looking at. And it says the most comforting path is the one that leads home. Think about that for a moment. Now, this picture, which you cannot see very well, early uh, the, uh, those who are very close here can in the front, but it's a beautiful little pathway of, of grass and the sidewalk winding around to this house. It's a lovely house. And I was always looking at that and I was admiring it. I thought, well, you know, this is good, but there's something better. It ought to lead to the gates of heaven. This world is not our home. We are just a passing through. And I think so many times, even though we as Christians have heard and sung that song, we read the word over and over, we forget this is not where we end up. We're supposed to end up with him who created us, who made us into his image to look like us and to act like him. And so I say today, this is for now, but there's something greater than this, and that's heaven itself. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. Are your treasures laid up in heaven today? Are you laying up your treasures here? Are you laying them up in heaven? Living for Jesus is what we need to do day by day. It's in his strength, enabling grace. He will give you strength to endure, and it's in strength that will help us. The sin and the hatred and the lust of the world will bring us down, pettiness and envy as well, but God will strengthen you to overcome all those attacks of Satan. Our strength will fail us one more time, and sometimes when you think you have the strength of a lion, you find out it's not quite as good as that. I mean, sometimes not even for the day, but he's there to give you more strength. If you haven't discovered it again, you will, your physical as well as your spiritual strength is not sufficient. That's why we read the word every day. That's why we pray every day. That's why we're concerned about those about us every day. You don't leave in a vacuum as Christians. We're supposed to go out and help others along the way and pray for others. And then there's exceeding grace. Look at verse 14. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. I think that's my favorite verse in about all the scripture. And all the scripture is wonderful. But his grace was poured out upon Paul. His grace, his spirit. It kind of reminds me of the uh, of Pentecost, how God's grace was poured out upon the believers. And it reminds me of what's happened at Asbury, that God's grace has been poured out upon believers and made new believers. 
and perhaps all over the world. And that's what God wants to do in these last days. Now, I think it's the last days. But I think it's been the last days for a long time. No man knows the hour nor the day when Christ shall return. But I do believe, I do believe that we're in those days that we better be ready. One example of a person who experienced the exceeding grace of God, allowed God grace to be the rule of his life, is Joseph. Thank the major for reading about Joseph. Throughout his life, God worked. In modern language, it's a God thing. In Genesis, as Joseph was serving him and his story unfolds, we see God's grace between his father who favored him and Joseph. Many uh, would see this as a difficulty since it brought Joseph trouble because it actually gave him, but it gave him strength and confidence to overcome those things he would face. And what monumental hurdles Joseph faced and jumped over. As Joseph rose to prominence only to have it pulled out from under him, he received the grace of God to persevere and to rise again out of those difficulties. The grace of God enabled him to be prepared when his brothers appeared before him. The exceeding grace of God enabled him to see his father even before he died. You see, God puts it all together. You know, again, this God thing, it was real popular this last few years, number of years coming around, that it's a God thing. Well, everything is a God thing if God's for it, if God's doing it, and he is. He does it in such marvelous ways, his wonders to perform. The grace of God. You know what it's all about today. Is God's grace living in your heart? In Psalm number 848, we see some wonderful words that I want you to think about. And we're going to see in the chorus of that song as Evangeline comes back to the piano. I'm in his hands. I'm in his hands. Whatever the future holds, I'm in his hands. The days I cannot see, they've all been planned for me. His way is best. You see, I'm in his hands. If there's one that would like to come and say, Lord, sometimes uh, <clears throat> I lean on my own strength and I don't make it. I need your strength. Tell me to be in your hands and to live for you. Day. During this uh, Lenten season, what a better time to, to come to him even more so and say, Lord, you endured the cross and you got the victory. You got the victory over our sins because you loved us so much and you will give us the victory as well. I'm in his hands. Sing with me, bow your heads, and if there even be one that would come and you would like to pray, come as we sing. I'm in his
Sing it uh, to him this is absolutely appropriate when God moves to recognize to God be the glory a savior is mine join me if you would on song number 399 
master to serve in the way he shall choose to work or to witness to go or remain his smile of approval my infinite gain and the fourth earth's pleasures and treasures no longer allure my spirit aspires to the things which endure to walk with my savior in garments of white my highest ambition my constant delight on the fifth verse. busy this week. We have Tuesday Bible study at 6, men and women's ministries at 645, youth programs Wednesday at 530. March 10th and 11th we have DSA, Battle Academy, and DSYNC. March 17th and 18th those who are interested camp cleanup out at Camp Walter Johnson in preparation for the season, so it's not limited to just us guys and the men's club. March 24th through the 26th, Youth Council's weekend. Also March 24th, we have an indoor yard sale that, pardon? You are correct, ma'am. Thank you. Good deal. The 25th, indoor yard sale at the warehouse, 7 a.m. to noon. More information to come on that prayer request. Major Donna obviously is in need of our prayer. Add her to your prayer list. Mary Carol, bless her heart, will not be here today for songsters because she is sick. It's that yellow devil dust that is everywhere out there. So pray for her as well. Sergio, please, please share that with us. Major Phelps and family, obviously traveling mercies and the love that they have to share there in Mississippi and our beautiful children here. Pray. Pray without ceasing. That's what he tells us to do. The prayers of a righteous man and woman availeth much. We have this power to approach the throne of God, not timidly, but at his urging. 
to bring these requests to God. Let's make sure that we do that. We give God thanks for each family and all the babies that are here. Keep each other in love and in prayer. Let's close. Father God, we thank you for this day and this time that we have to be in your house and in your love and most importantly in your grace. Thank you, Lord, for the many gifts and blessings you bestow on us. Now, Lord, help us to be ever mindful to worship you in spirit and in truth. And for these things, we'll give you the grace, the glory, the honor, and the praise forever and ever. Amen. Go with God. Bring forward. <laughs> so you'll be here an hour early. <laughs>